T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another edition of News You Can Use. I'm your host, Ann Baldwin, with you today. And boy, have we got a guest and a show for you. So anyway, we have real names, but I prefer to go by Glamma. And what's your name? Gigi for Gorgeous Grandmother. All right. That's how we're <laughs> going to start this show off. This is going to be one that you will not want to miss. I am so excited. Lisa and Kenoki is in the house. Yay! 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 Excited to be here with you, Anne Baldwin. Oh my gosh, it's so great to have you here. And you Thank know, it's kind you. of funny how life works, isn't it? Because we've been, we've known each other for a long yes. time. Yes. And one of the good things about Facebook is I keep up with you and you keep up with me. And yep. recently we reconnected in person. That's right. And we're both grandmothers now because when we first met, we were not Glamma and Gigi for sure. Hell no, we were. <laughs> we certainly were. But we had to work for that. And That's... I'm so excited because I've got some great news. I was recently out in Texas and my daughter uh, has a 10-year-old. I have a 10-year-old granddaughter and she just... Um, revealed to me when I was out there that she's going to have another baby. Woo! Oh, yes. my God. Another baby. Another I love it. I love, love, I love being a Gigi, a grandma. It's just fabulous. And it's our legacy. We're passing on down something here. People that look like us, of course. Of course. Yes. <laughs> Too bad this isn't television. It's radio. Lisa, I've got your two-page resume resume uh -uh. in front of me. And, I mean, it's just amazing all that you have accomplished and all that you continue to do. And, you know, I just want you to introduce yourself to the audience. Pick some of the highlights because we take up the whole show reading all of your accomplishments out loud. So I'm going to let you cut to the chase. Well, I'll tell you one of the things I'm most excited about what, that I'm working on right now, besides being a full-time Gigi uh, and raising some of my grandkids, who, by the way, the oldest one just turned 18. Woo! Just turned 18. And my youngest is still a toddler, so, you know. Wow, that's I'm a lot. I'm sticking with the teenagers right now, though, you know, keeps you up to date. But obviously, some of the other things that I'm working on that I'm very excited about is the Swans of Harlem. They are the original five black ballerinas who actually, a few of them helped to find uh, the dance seat of Harlem upon the assassination of Martin Luther King, uh, along with Arthur Mitchell. And I'm very excited to kind of re reinvigorate everything that they've done in history. We just recently got a book deal 
uh, with Pantheon. Uh, so I'm very excited for them. And we're about to sign a, a movie, movie deal, deal about their life story. Oh, my gosh. I'm so excited. This is their Act 3. They range in age from 65 to 80, and they never expected this. So I am, like, on the rocket ship with them and excited to take off. So oh, my gosh. We just got back from Philadelphia, I so saw it's been that. exciting. I yes, saw that on, on Facebook, yes. and um, I saw that you were there. Lots of media coverage. Lots and of media coverage. Thank goodness. Thank goodness carpet. that they understood that this is a big story to tell. Big story. And also the women were out there giving master classes, college classes, high school classes, I'm just excited that they're great women. They're treasures. Their gems are just really great to work with. So I love the fact that, um, you know, that someone like this group of ladies gets to have their real flowers given to them in a way that uh, they can truly appreciate it. And we've had everybody kind of call about their life story from Steven Spielberg. I'm telling you this here. I'm not supposed to tell anybody. <laughs> uh, but we were able to have him call in. We had uh, Misty Copeland. We had Jada Pinkett-Smith. Oh, my goodness, what a week for them. Everybody that was up for the Oscars, I feel like, was on a phone call with these ladies about trying to get a piece or learn about doing their life story. So I'm very, we're very blessed, very, very blessed. That's great. And you're also a well-known and well-established life coach. Yes. So, you know, I, you, you kind of do what I do, but we're very different, yeah. right? You you help people straighten out their lives, especially in high-end divorce cases yes. and custody cases and yes. things like that. And I'm more grassroots public relations crisis communication, but yet our our paths cross yes. there too because yes. it takes the same thing and I can't imagine I want you to explain how you were feeling when you were there in Philadelphia with these ladies and getting all this media attention is that not what you call a touchdown it's a touchdown and I think what again once again the fact that people receive these women the first night it was a you know like a red carpet gala you might have seen on my Facebook and on my Instagram live we did hair and makeup and got them red carpet ready and they were shocked to know there were like 350 people waiting on the other side to cheer them on and welcome them. And they, people were just like adoring. They were like, thank you for, almost like veterans, thank you for your service, right. thank you for everything you did, thank you for your challenges that you had to go through for us. Um, I heard one of the dancers tell me there was a lady that was serving that actually said that when she was younger she wanted to be a dancer and somebody told her, you're not the body type for that. And she had to give up, and she said tears were coming down her eyes as she was just saying, you know, you were able to do something that people didn't let me do. So, I mean, when you hear those kind of heartfelt mm -hmm. stories or people actually crying, um, you, you realize that it's bigger than just, you know, these women don't think of themselves as superstars. I always tell them, yes, you are a superstar. <laughs> so, and they are. But I think to have people reach out and touch them in that way feels so special. And they know what they did was their artistic, if you will, uh, kind of their pro silent protest in artistry. Mm -hmm. um, and people don't think of it that way. They think, oh, well, they were just dancers. No. No. They were doing things that people weren't didn't think that black ballerinas could do at that time. And here we are now, just now, finding out and telling their story. Yes. Isn't that interesting? Yes. And also, they weren't just in America. They went all over the world. Another little story, I don't know if I told you this, but the way I became their manager was one of them was my pen pal, from when I was little. What? Yes, that's how I actually connected with them. My mom was an opera singer and a teacher and very well known here in the, the Greater Hartford community. And she actually said to me, you're gonna go see the Dance Institute of Harlem at the Bushnell in Hartford. 
I did not want to go that day, but I had no choice. I was being a good girl, but I was always a make a lemon uh, lemonade out of lemons kind of kid. Right. So after my mother said, oh, we're going to go backstage, and I thought, whoopee-doo. <laughs> but anyways, I was probably 12, 13, went backstage and saw these beautiful black women who had just performed. And I asked one, I said, would you want to be my pen pal? And she said, yes, never saw them before in my life. And believe it or not, this young lady, whose name is Carlia Shelton, now Benjamin, uh, actually said, sure. And you know what? She sent me postcards from all over the world, starting with her command performance for the Queen. You talk about learning about social studies and history. I loved the Jackson 5 at the time. Uh, Dancing of Harlem became second to Jackson 5. I still have every postcard that she sent me. A gilded, like gold gilded postcard, I can remember it, from her command performance for the Queen Mother. I have all those postcards and letters. So we reconnect 40 years later. Did you write her back? Yes, I did write her the, back. I remember, I think we all at our in our age yes. right, group, we all had pen pals. That yes. Was, that was the cool thing to do. But for me, you know, after a month or two, I'm like, that was fun for a month or two. And then it just kind of <laughs> stops. But hats off to you and, and to her as well oh. for keeping this thing Is going. Is that crazy? That's and a so great story. We just talked and I said, why do we always talk on social media? Why don't we talk? Because I think we miss the art of talking, yes. the art of writing to people people sharing mm-hmm. time so that's how we reconnected about two years ago and she said hey I'm doing something with my former colleagues would you like to get on and do a zoom with us and they actually started by meeting during COVID doing weekly zoom calls I got on a zoom call listened to them and they said hey could you be our consultant and I thought does that mean no money <laughs> but anyways, those are the words you don't yeah. want to hear yeah it's really gonna be fun I but know. we can't pay you I know but I got on and I listened to them and one of their things was about how everybody thought Misty Copeland was the first black ballerina and how she had done wonderful you know for the ballet similar to Tiger Woods for golf right but how they were forgotten and they were some of the trailblazers they were first yeah so I started and there were other people before them but they were really the first to put it on the map worldwide Mm -hmm. and so I said I kept listening and I thought let's do something so that's how first the New York Times story came out and then I was able to get ABC and then the speaking engagement in Philly and the rest it just started going and then we got to do Misty Copeland in Boston in December and getting having them meet Misty Copeland in person for the first time was so wonderful and it was healing for them as it was for Misty and she was so gracious and then she's also been in in contact with us since so it's just been it's been a blessing and I think just because all the stars align in their energy is good so I'm really grateful we have a great literary agent we have a great Hollywood agent and we have a great partner now in our in Pantheon as uh, as the book publisher so fantastic stay tuned so well, that's a big one you know congratulations because yes. I know the work that goes into that yes and your enthusiasm is just contagious and and if you're like me when you get one of those projects to work on and it hits you in the heart yeah uh, it makes it so much easier yes. you still want to get paid yeah but I know that everything you do you you put your heart and your soul oh into. yeah and you have to you have to go on faith I mean there was nothing so it wasn't like we had a budget to work with there was no budget but I had the vision and the heart from listening to them every week they had such high highs and low lows mm-hmm. in terms of their experiences and the truth was there always the truth so I just felt like I wanted to be a quarterback and a cheerleader for them and that's really what happened you know just kind of plundering around but I was laughing we were in Philly and they were saying 
you're quiet. Are you giving us another assignment? Because <laughs> it was like we had so many appearances to make. They were exhausted, but grateful, very grateful and gracious. And uh, like I said, the Philadelphia Ballet was wonderful. The Philadelphia community is wonderful. So that's one of my highlights uh, right now. And I mean, keep on creating, keep on reinventing and doing things. So we'll stay tuned for that's a couple what you more. Do. But you're so, you're so busy. So how did Lisa and I reconnect? And again, we're talking with Lisa and Kenoki. And give people your social media stuff right now so they can, if you don't have it yes. right now, they can look you up on Facebook. Yes, you're Facebook, on all the platforms. Adventures with Gigi. You can find me. I started that because of my grandkids. That's how I kind of connect with them. Because you know, they tell us that Facebook is for old oh, people. Oh, yeah. They yep. say that They're and gone. I tell them, not exactly because I don't feel old, but that's okay. And then on Twitter, it's uh, I think it's Gigi and at Gigi and Kenoki on Twitter. Um, and Facebook is my name. And then I also have Lisa and Kenoki Lifestylist to the Stars. And then you, my own YouTube channel. You know, it's there. You'll find it. You'll, You'll find, find it. it. Yes. Yes. It, yes. yes. You've got to you've just... find the good, the bad, the boring, yeah. and whatever else. And that's right. It's all out there. It's, it's all... all out there. So you kind of take it. But anybody that really knows me knows, you know. Where it's at, so well. I know one of our regular listeners is Lou Brown. Oh, we love yeah. Lou. Do you know Lou? Actually, true story about Lou Brown. Lou Brown. I'm telling our dates here. Uh, I actually started at WHNB Channel 30 back in like 1973. What? Doing what about women and black perspectives sometimes? And Lou Brown actually was working this, so he saw me when I was 11 and 12. And actually hosting and co-hosting shows at Channel 30. That's amazing. Yes, before I went to work for Toby Moffat on Capitol Hill and then Norman Lear at 18 and so on and so forth. So Lou Brown has known me pretty much my entire life. And my other bestie, his brother, Bob Brown, is my other guy. I actually met him through Tim Shriver working on Special Olympics. So I know the it, Brown It's fun. So we love good. you, Lou, if you're listening. Hey, we, Lou. We, we wanted to mention that. Yes. And for those of you that are right now Googling Lisa, I want to make sure you know how to spell her last name because you think it's hard to spell, it's hard to say. So let's spell it out. It's Lisa, regular spelling, N-K-O-N-O-K-I. So Lisa and my lives came back together recently because we're working on a project together and we took a little business trip, a business ride down to the Bridgeport area. (laughs) And um, we just, we talked. Stanford, Greenwich, that's it. Oh my gosh, we we covered the whole. stomping ground. Just realized I've done some fun stuff with the divorce uh, coaching, but with it comes, you know, some ugliness, some, a lot of different challenges. So it's not everything it's cracked up to be because obviously it's a critical time in people's lives. Right. But, you know, sometimes you get dragged into the mud. You do. But Dra- you have to take the good with the bad. You do. You I've do. I've been fortunate. But well, you've got some thick skin and, you know, you sometimes you provide success for people and you help them reach their goals. And, you know, is anybody ever happy? Is anybody ever satisfied? Yeah. Well, so, I can tell you any of the cases that I helped to work on or strategize, we were we're 10 for 10. But again, you know, sometimes I call them crying Karen. Sometimes people aren't always happy. What can you say? Yeah. You know, but I, I can tell you one thing. Uh, we've the teams that I've worked on have helped to amass over probably over a quarter of a, of a million dollars, which is a quarter of a billion dollars. So I wouldn't be crying. But that's okay. No wonder you're working on the Gold Coast. Maybe I should that's head <laughs> down there, right? So one of the things that we were talking about is is being grandmothers yes. from from different worlds, but we've got so many similarities and and kind of what we're dealing with. If you want to if you want to just put it out there, yeah. And one of those things is, 
you know, a biracial, multiracial, now that's what a lot of kids are, children. Yes. And as um, Glammy yep. and Gigi, Gigi. Um, we are both dealing with interracial Yes, biracial, biracial, multiracial, multiracial not so much my grandchild yes. who isn't, but then her first, her father has remarried yep. an African American woman and had three kids, so she's got three. Yes, it's bro- a blended family. It's a blended family, a, a true blended family. Oh my gosh, not just blended in terms of different parents and grandparents and all that, but you're talking about different nationalities, you're talking about different ethnicities, and and how do you cope with that? How do you deal with that? How do you not have to be, you know, overwhelmed by the idea that people are always asking questions. And in particular, I have, uh, you know, 15 grandchildren. Uh, let's see, 11 of them that are here all the time with me that are actually my daughters and my son's children. And uh, most of them are biracial or identify as biracial or, or black. And I will tell you people always, what are you? Yes. Uh, I have a granddaughter who works, I won't say where she works at, but recently I went into the location she worked at and everybody said, who's that? And she's like, oh, that's my grandma. And they look like, that's your grandma? Like, not that's your grandma, like she looks good. Like, that black lady is your grandma? Because she looks, you know, very fair skin. And, and she says, oh yeah, that's her. <laughs> and they were still in shock. And then the next week my son went in and she said, I think she, they said, well, what does your dad look like? He says, oh, he's a, he's a rapper. And she shows them and they're like, that's your dad? And he just turned 40 last week. My son just turned 40. And they said, and he doesn't look 40. Mm-hmm. So they're like, that's your dad? He's a rapper and he's your dad? Like what? <laughs> and she's getting a kick out of it because she says, oh yeah, go ask him for his autograph. <laughs> and But again, people are still like, well, I thought you were maybe... I, like what I I didn't know what you were like I thought maybe you were Puerto Rican or so you're one of them she they get all these different things and then she said they're like oh so you're rich oh so you're she's like I'm not any of those things I am me right. I am Michaela and uh, it's interesting because people always stop her or they think based on her hair or based on her skin color they just assume and oh by how she talks and so it gets, you know, she takes it in stride because obviously we talk about it, but it, it ends up being the center of the conversation instead of learning about who she is. Exactly. You know? Well, you know, and here's a real startling story that I'm going to share with you. So my granddaughter is 10 and about five years ago, so she's five, I was out there visiting and her father who had remarried, uh, she was about to have a baby. And again, she's African-American and her father's white. So um, I said, you know what she's having? And she goes, no, I don't think they're going to find out. But she said in her innocent little voice, you know, it's going to be a brown baby. Yeah. It's going to be a brown baby. Yeah. And and I'm like, how do I respond to that? How do I react to that? Yeah. You know, what do you do? I mean, he's not my grandchild, but he's my grandchild's, and I call him brother. That's right. It's not a stepbrother to me. No. It's not or a half-brother. No. I mean, it's her brother. Yeah. Remember I tell you that story about my granddaughter wrote about this. My father-in-law used to say, his father said, he said, oh, it's my half-brother. He said, well, which brother, are you, which half of them are you claiming? <laughs> and that's that my granddaughter learned from there. Right. They're my brothers. They're my... You know, and I have step bonus children, and they're, I hate to even say step, because they're not step. They're bonus, they're gifts, they're yours. Um, Whether they think they're a part of it or not, I always want them to feel inclusive. So you hate saying that half-brother, half. Right. It's just, you know. It's crazy. Yeah. 
See, that's the other thing, and it happens to be I have lots of grandchildren, of course, and I have them in different situations. My granddaughter had other biracial children who looked like her, but she was raised with her mother in a white environment, so she was raised white, but then she only had siblings all these years for the first 13 years of her life that were biracial like her. Her mom just recently had two other children that are white, and she kind of feels... um, betrayed in a sense because she feels like she was put in the situation not that she's not proud of herself as being biracial but she kind of feels like her siblings will never know the younger ones the all-white siblings will never know some of the challenges that she had to go through where you know people maybe made comments racial comments or otherwise that were very insulting and mm-hmm. confusing to her mm-hmm. her hair is different and curly and and she was always you know her maternal family didn't always highlight in a positive way her paternal family. So she was almost ashamed of that. Right. And she felt like she was the only one who had to go on that journey on her own. So it wasn't it wasn't pretty. No. And she's still kind of gathering herself from the scars of what that's like. You, you would know? have to. It's like one of my dear friends, blonde haired, blue eyed, um, and you know, around me and my my friends and in all different places. And she's also Jewish, and people just assume, and she's Hispanic. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So people always assume, you know, that that she's neither of those things, right. and they'll make comments right. um, about that. And then to even top it off, she's got a daughter who's who's married to her husband, her wife, and they so they have biracial children. So you know, the, here comes in the gay thing. And people just make these comments, and I'm just always walking on eggshells because when when my stupid friends come over, I don't want to say, "Hey, don't say anything," because she's, right. she's Jewish, she's Hispanic, <laughs> her daughter's a lesbian, and married to a uh, an African American woman. And yeah. I mean, wow, ignorance is bliss. And I can tell you when I when my kids were younger, um, they had a, a a bonus sister who was raised in D.C., and uh, they would come, and the neighbors would say, "How's that, your sister?" You, you, it, it's amazing how smart we are. <laughs> right, but how stupid people we are. Can't, yeah, people can't envision that, oh, well, maybe they mm-hmm. came from different parents. Right. Um, people going through divorce, blended families, remarriage, it's just unbelievable how insensitive. And people will ask kids, little kids, well, yeah. how are you related? Yes. Uh, I was recently asked, even when I said that, you know, my bonus daughter was my bonus daughter, they were like, how? How is she related to you? Like, an imposter question like, did you paint yourself at a different time? Uh, we're related because my husband is her it's amazing. father. Yeah. You know, and I and I think also the shame of people not being forthright and honest. You don't uplift, and my granddaughter's writing about this, you know, uplift the fact that they are of two cultures. And I always tell my grandchildren, both of your cultures are equally important. If people see you as black or African-American, that's perfectly fine. But don't forget there's another piece of you. How can we find out about your grandmother? Like we have these genealogy things that we've done. Um, I can remember as a kid, and I tell people this all the time, I'm Catholic. And kids used to make fun of me and think, well, how are you Catholic? Black people aren't Catholic. And it made me feel horrible. Mm -hmm. You know, my mom was an opera singer and a music teacher. And growing up in New Britain, they would think, well, how, how is that possible? And my great-grandmother was Indian and white, and they would say, you must have been adopted. And I felt like, you know, to explain all these things was oh my so gosh, people. difficult. And I can tell you, at one point, I thought I was adopted because my mom had freckles, and I did it, and my hair was kinky, and my mother's wasn't. So I thought, and my grandfather's eyes were green, and I thought, 
do I really belong in this family? <laughs> when are you going to tell me the truth? But the stress that it puts on yes. a kid, mm -hmm. you know, I didn't want to be Catholic when I was growing up because I thought, you know, black kids made fun of me. You're not Baptist. And so I thought, well, you had to fit in these certain circles. And it wasn't until I went to D.C. or L.A. to know, wow, there are black Catholics. My mom's part of the black Catholic organization. She plays the organ. She plays the organ. And but again, the stress of what that's made makes a kid feel yep. like my father came uh, on the President Kennedy airlift from uh, Tanzania to Central Connecticut State University, along with like President Obama's dad and other fathers, other people that were brought from East Africa as a part of President Kenny Kennedy's uh, educational program. And I remember thinking as a Tanzanian being born in America, people think, well, you're African, where's your grass skirt? And I never been to Africa. So I felt like, okay, I've only knew, know New Britain. And it was difficult. So I'm then very they say, sensitive. where's your where's your kibasa? Yeah, you know, so, where's exactly. your pierogi? So right? I'm very sensitive to kids that have mm -hmm. uh, that challenge and those dynamics. Yep. And I just try and talk about it. And I know my granddaughter said, you used to always talk about race all the time, and I hated it. She said, but now I get it. And I had to talk about it to make her feel. I wanted to indoctrinate her to feel proud, or at least have the information. Mm -hmm. If you don't have the information, you only know what you hear. Right. And if you don't hear anything about the other side you're gonna feel ashamed of it or maybe feel that something's wrong. Why aren't people saying something? Or why do certain people say things and not others? So I'm always about, let's talk about it, let's embrace it, let's let's you know go we out and to. enjoy it. We yeah. really have to. And I also have my, you know, my, my fiance's grandson is biracial too. And yet he's got a little slant to his eyes and people will stop me at Target. What What is he? I'm just curious. What is he? Is he Asian? Is he, yeah. you know, oh yeah. my God. Well, how is about it? they call, they think I'm the nanny sometimes. They're like, is that, are you, is that your nanny? And I'll say, yeah, no, I don't like nanny. First of all, for me, I'm grandma, but they're not even saying nanny like, are you the grandmother? Like, are you the nanny, nanny of like this You're cleaning kid? the place up. Yeah, yeah, and you know, but it's been interesting and that's why I encourage my grandkids to always talk about who they are, feel comfortable. And I'm proud that I am very vocal and they do come to me and I help other kids too. And yes, I think that's do. what we have to do. We do. You have to talk about it, lead by example. If leadership doesn't start from the top, what are we expecting our kids to figure out how to get through this? So anyways. Oh, what a great so conversation. Here with you today. Oh, you got to look this lady up, <laughs> Lisa and Kenoki. Look for her on social media. I just... I just love the way. I love talking to you in the car for how many hours? Yes. And I loved our conversation today, and I'm sure that our listeners did too. So, Lisa Ann Kenoki, thank you for being thank here. Thank you so much. And your granddaughter is going to be a rock star because she has a grandmother that will talk about Absolutely. tough subjects. And that is the key to success and the road to honesty is the best policy. Here you go. Absolutely. We want to thank you for tuning in to thank this you. edition of News You Can Use right here on WTIC News Talk 1080. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Over here. 
plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.